Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put you all in some sort of context. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Okay, we needed a breather. The market can't go up every day without some sellers coming out of the woodwork, which is why the Dow shed 135 points. The S&P declined 0.34%. The now tepid Nasdaq lost 0.73%. This is exactly the kind of pullback I've been waiting for. So we have to use this moment to regroup and figure out the market's next move. Now, I think today's action was pure profit-taking. But the sellers had a lot of excuses. I think it's worth going over them in detail. Otherwise, they might catch you off guard. And forewarned is forearmed. First, there's the derailed recovery thesis. Probably heard about this all day. This morning, we got our 17th straight week with more than a million jobless claims. These numbers aren't really moderating, which is what we were all hoping for. The derailed recovery thesis might be right. It's certainly a possibility if we don't get more stimulus. But there's nothing new here. All aboard. Yeah, the number was ugly, but it's been ugly for for four months now. I think stimulus beckons. Second, the reopening has clearly been stalled by the outbreaks in the Sun Belt. New cases aren't going down and deaths are climbing again, though the mortality rate is substantially lower, fortunately, than the original outbreak in New York. Some of that's because we've gotten better at treating COVID. As we learn more about it, remember, it is novel. If you were on a ventilator in New York, you only had a 20% chance of surviving. You're now at 70%. We've also got a host of treatments that we didn't have before. Uh, steroids, remdesivir, blood plasma, and of course, we know to put people on their stomach. Look, I don't want to downplay these risks, not one bit. Even if more people survive, the complications are horrifying. Nobody wants to spend weeks laid up in the hospital. Nobody wants permanent, or at least potentially permanent, organ damage. Again, though, sadly, none of this is real. To any, it's, none of it's real news. It, it's been going on. Third, the trade war with China is turning into something closer to a cold war. It is chilling to see the Attorney General of the United States attack Hollywood, Microsoft, Apple, and Google for being communist lackeys, like something out of the 1950s. But it it seems like the White House wants to go with the 50s playbook. The goal is to cordon off China, and they might go after any company that does business over there. I've been very tough on China. They have an authoritarian government, and it's an authoritarian government that I do not like. Why? Because it doesn't respect its trade agreements. They've spent decades targeting American manufacturers. I talked about that endlessly. I was thrilled when the Trump administration decided to crack down on China's unfair trade practices, like the people don't like the government. But I'm a trade warrior, not a cold warrior. I think it's good when Apple sells millions of phones to the Chinese. Shows that we're better than the Chinese phones. Still, the president increasingly seems to regard any company that does business in the People's Republic as an appeaser of dictators. 
He's, he's even going after U.S. companies that have been staunch opponents of the Communist Party. Uh, Google pulled out of China years ago in protest to the government's suppression of free speech. I don't know why the heck they're on the list. Bill Barr also knocked Disney for playing ball with the communists, even though Disney's more of an American fifth column operating on Chinese soil than the other way around. CEO Bob Iger's been surprisingly tough with China without totally alienating their government. Just read the autobiography ride of a lifetime and you'll know just read the prologue you can get that on amazon without having to buy the book there are a lot of criticisms you could level at the walt disney company but treating them like communist sympathizers are you kidding me that's beyond mccarthyism it's like something out of like dr strangelove or something again china's a bad actor they steal our secrets they dump goods in our markets they target our industrials for annihilation they've started throwing their weight around with other governments via that belt and road initiative that i hate so much and don't even get me started on how the chinese communist party treats its own people but so i am glad We're taking a harder line, especially with trade policy. But this naming name stuff, I mean, come on. It's America. We know better than do that. It's disheartening to see the attorney general of the United States roll out a nascent blacklist. Feels like a a threat toward companies that make money in China, including Apple. What do I say? I want to bet against the blacklist, which is why I tell you once again, Apple, don't trade it on this. Own it. Fourth worry. We have some very stretched valuations here. There's no denying it. No one denies it. There are too many stocks that trade at sky-high priced earnings. I'm sorry, price to sales multiples, not earnings. Even if they grow very fast, they're now subject to downgrades. Like we saw one with Peloton today. That multiple's gotten too stretched. So review your portfolio. Understand that if you have a bunch of high-flying momentum stocks, they're going to trade together, they're going to go down. You might want to trim those positions, as we've been doing for my charitable trust, which you can follow by joining the ActionLordsPlus.com club. Spoke at length about that yesterday in the club call. Finally, number five, we don't know how much longer we're going to be uh, working from home. A lot of people are itching to go back. Uh, The banks have reported, and the heads of these institutions seem to favor everyone coming back to the office. And that's weighing down the work-from-home plays that have been so strong, including the myriad cybersecurity stocks. I say don't sweat the remote work program. Regardless of what these bank CEOs might want, we're not going anywhere until we get a vaccine. Plus, yesterday's big Twitter hack is going to be a boon for all cybersecurity faves, from CrowdStrike and Zscaler to Proofpoint, Palo Alto Network, CyberArk, and Kramer family fave Okta. So how do you approach this kind of sell-off? Simple. Look for companies with strong fundamentals and falling stocks. Abbott Labs reported a wonderful quarter this morning. They're selling tons of COVID tests. Stock was down 33 cents the other day. PepsiCo posted a picture-perfect quarter. Morgan Stanley delivered some great results today, the capstone of their plan to grow the business without taking on much risk. Just what you actually want from the financial environment. Johnson Johnson gave you an excellent forecast this morning, and stock barely budged. Facebook, Google, and Salesforce all have nothing to do with China, and they're doing great. I saw, I saw a number bump today, estimate bump for Alphabet. I think Facebook's just cleaning up. Oh, and watch Amazon. The stock's now down more than 10% from its highs, though it did find a slew of buyers late today coming in off its lowest levels. That's exactly what should happen. Don't let the disappointment from Netflix tonight spill over into your thinking. Hey, how come I'm not more worried about the pandemic? Listen, these numbers horrify me, but I'm optimistic because it's now out of the government's hands. In the absence of a vaccine, masks are the best way to stop the spread. And in the absence of government leadership at pretty much any level, Corporate America is taking action to keep us healthy. In the last 48 hours, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Target, Best Buy, Kroger have joined the pioneer Costco in insisting that their customers wear masks. No shirt, no shoes, no mask, no service. I think the severity of the new outbreak will scare people into taking the virus seriously. I wish we hadn't gotten to this point, but that's where we are now. Now, I don't want, I don't know when the sell is going to end. I do know the younger momentum traders who believe stocks will 
only go up because that's what stocks do, they might struggle a tad here. I'm concerned about the stocks of companies that need capital that people are bidding up, like the airlines, the cruise lines. Don't be a useful idiot for the investment bankers urging these struggling companies to drill your bids. The bankers see these speculative stocks just go up and they like, they see the action, and they advise these troubled companies to raise capital every time there's a positive vaccine story and their stocks soar. Look at Norwegian Cruise Lines, which announced that it's selling $250 million worth of stock. The stock lost 15% today on that news. I don't know if stocks always go up. The bottom line, don't panic. Look for the stocks of high-quality companies that are going lower, even though they deserve to go higher. And if that's too much work for you, you've got my blessing to gradually leg into a low-cost index funnel way down. In other words, nothing to see here. Move on. Let's go to Jerry in Texas. Jerry. Hey, Jim. How are you today? I am good. How about you, Jerry? Doing well. Thank you, sir. Hey, I have a general two-part question for you. The price-to-earnings ratio used to be a pretty good indicator of measuring companies, with 25 to 30 being about average. Today, we have companies with no profits or with PEs of 150 to 300, and their stock price continues to go up. I do understand there are many factors to consider when evaluating companies, but number one, are the true earnings and PE ratio still important? And number two, what do you feel are the best ways to measure and select companies in this market? Okay, well, I would tell you that any stock that sells at more than a PE of eight, eight times sales is off limits for me. I find that those companies are terrific companies, but you can't uh, have more than, say, about 15 to 20 percent of your portfolio. We talk about that all the time for the ActionLearnsPlus.com club. You're right. Much of the market is stretched, but there's a lot of the market that isn't. And I think that if you follow the show, you know that there are a lot of companies I like that are selling at traditional multiples and that you should have some of those and a smattering of the higher, truly momentum names. Let's go to Michael in North Carolina. Michael. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Good to talk to you this evening. Appreciate all the stuff that you do to help us home gamers make a little money. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm looking to add a health care uh, to one of my portfolios. And um, I watched the uh, uh, beginning of the, um, oh, goodness, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Go Health uh, IPO Go Health. yesterday. Right. Uh, went down to 18 and uh, up to 26. Is it too early to jump in there? I think or? it's a very good, it's a, you know what, that stock I thought was kind of attractive. Uh, I, I think that might be a good idea. I bet you we look at it and it's going to do okay. How about we go to Max in Florida? Max. Hey, Jim, how's it going? Very well, thank you. How about you? I'm doing all right. So I am an 18-year-old new investor. All right. And I was interested in a a consumer good and tech stock that actually reported higher than expected earnings yesterday, which is Sleep Number. And during the, the whole COVID rise again, I was wondering how you think they would fare in the near future as a stock that people might be buying when they're not traveling. Well, you know, I, I, I think the bed business has just been historically been a terrible business. I, I, these guys are interesting. They're good. They uh, didn't have a good quarters last year. But you know what I say? I say I want you to step up your game. I would rather have you be in a Home Depot or particularly a Lowe's, which is doing much better, more diversified, uh, because I, I like the stay-at-home thesis. Let's go to Lee Joe in New York. Lee Joe. Hey, Jim. Just want to say thank you for using our platform. I would just say everyone to wear a mask. It's a big excuse to decrease their session rate. My question is regarding the Chinese company Neo. Recently had a runoff based on increased sales and market sentiment. 
currently believe it's overvalued, but China has a huge potential market for electric vehicles, government subsidies for buying EVs, and recent government-owned investment to the company when the tax is strapped. These are rules for growth given the government backing or should I take some profit off? It's, but, sir, it's a dice roll. I mean, it, it had a huge move last week, uh, just gigantic. Uh, and now I think that you have to wait till it pulls back. This is the wrong level. Uh, now, I, I have historically, I was right about it, wrong about it, right about it, wrong about it. But I will tell you this. Alibaba is the one I've been right around the whole time. And that's the one I think you should be in. Today was a breather. I don't think it's a cause for panic. Look for stocks of high-quality companies that report numbers and then their stocks go down. Oh, man, money tonight. With the resurgence of both the virus and lockdowns, can Domino's continue to deliver? I'm sitting down with the CEO after earnings to find out. Then with a new generation of retail investors hitting the tape, I'm eyeing one private player that could, couldn't make it. It can make it very easy for you to get involved in this market. You know I want that. And don't miss my sit-down with, that's acorns. My, but first, as COVID cases continue to rise, do the unknown surrounding this market continue to make gold an appealing place to park your money? I'm eyeing Barrett Gold to see if it's worth considering here. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day, clearly and concisely, in context and with perspective, and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today. What works during times of economic chaos, you know what does. It's gold. The precious metal broke out above $1,800 an ounce earlier this month. And while it pulled back to $1,795 today, it's not such a great day for gold. I think it's still worth having some exposure as an insurance policy against both the recession and the possibility of inflation, a position I've held for 15 straight years. You can own the commodity itself. You can own an ETF that tracks the price like the GLD. But my favorite way to play it is Barrick Gold, the company created by the merger of the old Barrick and Rangel Resource. Sources roughly a year and a half ago. I started recommending this one practically the moment the deal closed when it was trading around 13. It's now 26 and change. Now, Barrick just reported some preliminary results this morning, and the pandemic's caused some disruptions. But management says, don't worry, they're still on track to hit their full-year targets. So can this stock keep climbing? Let's dig deeper with Dr. Mark Bristow. He's the bankable president and CEO of Barrick Gold. Get a clear picture of how his company's doing and where it's headed. Mark, welcome back to Mad Money. Hello, um Really great to see you again. It's a long time since we've chatted, Jim. Way too long. Okay, now I know that to do what you did, which is to pretty much make the quarter in an era of COVID, would seem to be impossible given the way that mining is done. But then I remembered, unlike the rest of us, this is not your first pandemic, is it? No, it's not. (laughs) As you know, I grew up in Africa. We as I always say, we wake up in the morning to a few crises and get a couple more in the afternoon. That's been the game. So at the same time that you had this, you were able, uh, you were able to, to 
help all of your employees, keep everybody pretty safe. And where are things now? Is everything operating as normal? Yes, we, you know, we had some challenges in Argentina, but generally uh, all our operations are operating at, um, at full capacity. Our projects are on track. And, uh, and in particular, um, Jim, uh, Nevada, success for us. You know, Southern Nevada had some real challenges um, and we were able to keep our operations running. That's 7,000 people going to work every day. Um, we have had limited number of infections. It's been a great effort from management. And it also reinforces our strategy to flatten management, to get ownership in the countries and regions so that you and do away with the central control, as you know, something that we set out to do when we merged the two companies. Well, I'm used to talking about some of the toughest areas. used to talk about some of the toughest areas. Uh, and you've uh, schooled me on how to do business in West Africa, for instance, or in Southern Africa. But I was shocked to see how much gold there is in the Carlin mine in Nevada. This is a gigantic field. Where's it been all our lives? Well, you know, it is a it's the largest uh, gold province in the world today, really taken over from where South Africa left off uh, quite a few years ago now. And, uh, and, and this merger of the Barrick and Newmont assets has really unlocked that enormous gold belt uh, by taking down the fences and fitting the real ore bodies together. And, uh, and it's been an amazing experience it's just been fantastic, I must tell you. And then, of course, uh, you know, the gold price has gone up, which always makes gold mining a lot more enjoyable. But how about copper? We've had a big surge in copper. You have a ton of copper there. Yes, and the copper side of Barrick did very well this quarter, as you would have seen in the, in the preliminary results. Um, you know, despite the lower copper price for most of the quarter, uh, the team did excellent uh, both in uh, Africa and in, uh, across in South America, and in particular, uh, our Africa copper and, and Middle East copper operations did exceptionally well. Now, when I talked with you last, you were still using a twelve hundred dollar uh, kind of. Uh, that's what your price would have been for what you're using to be able to do your projections. Is it time to move that up? Because it, you, you've got a dividend. You've got a much better balance sheet than you had. I mean, maybe it, things are kind of going more your way than, than you thought when you put that together. Yeah, but Jim, the 1200 is the new thousand, I always say. That's the long-term goal price at which we allocate uh, our capital. Uh, you know, this is a long game. As you know, you've been... Uh, with me on this voyage for more than a decade now. And, um, and so we allocate capital at this time. We've brought the, uh, the, the, the debt down materially. We have the strongest balance sheet in the gold industry today. And in fact, we have the strongest balance sheet in the mining industry. And we intend to stay there. We want to be you know, the go-to business uh, with the best assets, the best people. And as I always say, when you put those two together, you deliver the best financial results. Well, when I listen to you now, this is not something you talked about 10, 10 years ago. You're talking about uh, the environment and how important it is now. Uh, you even talked about it at the beginning of your last talk that you know that people that people don't like mining. You're trying to explain to people that it's necessary and that, it, and that you're going to do what you can to be able to make it so you don't pollute. Exactly. And, you know, well, that was our mantra in uh, Rand Gold Resources.